We're so glad you're here this morning. I hope you're glad that you're here. You made a good choice coming to church. It's a good choice to make. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 19 this morning. Um, as always, we encourage you to uh, dial it up, open it up, find it, scroll to it so that uh, God can speak to you uh, as we learn His Word. Uh, there's been plenty of times in my life where, uh, whether it be in uh, conferences or in uh, meetings or whatever, that uh, somebody may be preaching or teaching, and, and as I'm following along, God speaks right to me as I'm reading it, and then it's like, oh, well, maybe I should go to here, and I read this, and, and, and it, it's not being rude to the person, but God really had something He was showing me, and I want that opportunity for you as well, that uh, my word isn't as important as God's word, and God's word is what actually brings the freedom, brings the power, brings the change in our life. And so I, I hope that you will always keep it before you so that we're people of the word that follow that. And um, I want to talk about a, a great but a, a difficult topic this morning. Um, it's, it's called It's Personal. And it, we're going to continue a, a series for a little bit talking about being personal. And um, I'll just lead it off by saying this. I want to be part of a church. I think everybody wants to be part of a church where they feel like they're valued and cared for. Because at the end of the day, no matter how good the music is, no matter how cool the lights are, no matter what flavor the smoke machine puts out, no matter how comfortable the seats are, if you go there and it feels like nobody knows you and you don't make a connection either with God or with people, then we have to ask ourselves, why, why do I keep going? What's the, what's the benefit? And my heart is that we become a church, and we've got a great church, but uh, as the world is, is pulling farther and farther apart out of relationships and, and trying to stay distant, we're, we're seeing this come to the forefront of the issues is that even though we're more digitally connected than ever before, we've got more people struggling with loneliness than ever before. Because digital connections cannot replace human beings, and we need to be people that know each other, and we also need to be people that decide that we're going to take it personal. And you think about this. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, two things. So uh, at the end of the service this morning, uh, I'm going to ask for your interaction. So I want to give you time to meditate on that. And if you need to leave now, I get it. Uh, you, it no big deal. No harm, no foul. You're just a coward. That's all right. And, um, but I also want you to understand that when it's personal... Everything changes when it's someone that you know. So show of hands this morning, how many of you have either been affected or know somebody has been affected by cancer? Look around this morning. Okay. How many of you know the names of the people that were killed in Egypt this week? Okay. How many of you prayed for the people in Egypt this week? You know why? It's not that you don't care. It's not that you're monsters. You don't know them. Now, here's the rub. We should know the people in here. And for those of you that are already backing out, saying I'm not just a people person, you were made to be a people person. And I'm not saying you have to engage people in large crowds, but you were made by God 
to interact with other people. It's the lie of the devil that says, ah, I'm not a people person. I can guarantee you that when you're having a hard time, you want somebody to care about you. And imagine if everybody else told you, ah, I'm not a people person. Sorry. And so as we think through this, just remember that everything changes when it's somebody you know. When you haven't been affected by cancer, it's no big deal. But when your grandma, when your husband or your wife or your child, right, you see these causes out there and you're thinking, man, how do they get all those people together? Nobody has to get them together. They march and they walk and they run because it's affected them. It's become personal. In church, we need to be people where the gospel and the plan of God is personal because there's people that need it. There's people that need to know who we know and what we know. And until we make it personal, then it's just them someplace out there. And maybe you've even heard that. You want to know how you can tell if it's personal or not? Have you ever heard this phrase? Sounds like a personal problem to me. Did you feel like that person was really interested in your needs when they say, sounds like a personal problem to me? In fact, it sounds like the opposite, doesn't it? It sounds like, why are you talking to me? Oh, I don't know, because you're another human. I thought maybe you'd care. Sounds like a personal problem to me. Or even worse, a business model. And I'm telling you, church is not a business. And if you've got a business mind for church, you need to change your model because Jesus did not come to save a business. He came to interact and save people. Not a model, not some plan. He came to save people. And you hear people say something like this, somebody really should do something. Oh, man, somebody really should do something. Well, if you know about it, you're a somebody. And maybe you should do something. Maybe God revealed it to you and you saw it and you heard it so that you can do something. But when we don't make it personal, we say things like somebody should really do something. And what we're really saying is this, somebody else, not me. I'm too busy. That's not my kind of thing. I'm and you can fill in the blank, I'm too busy, I've got homework, I've got a job, I've got kids, I'm retired, I don't care. Somebody really should do something. Church, we have to be people that care. And we can't fix everything, but we can fix many things. We are way too blessed to not get involved in the cares of this world. And we're living in a community where people have needs and people have hurts, and God has just placed us in an incredible area where we can fulfill the plan of God by making it personal. Now, I'm not endorsing this next part. I'm just telling you, uh, I'm, I'm talking about a scene from, I'm not going to show it. Um, there's a movie called Taken with Liam Neeson, and um, he's a father that's an ex special operatives, whatever, it's more of a guy flick, and again, I don't know that I would endorse it, but it's, uh, it's brain candy, action adventure. His daughter gets kidnapped, she's getting sold into prostitution, he hunts her down, and he finally finds the person that just sold his daughter. He has a gun, he's approaching this man, he wants to know where his, his daughter is, and the man is backing up, and he's saying, it wasn't personal. It was business. It wasn't personal. It was business. And he says, it was personal to me. 
That was my daughter. Church, we cannot be that kind of people where we say, your sin, your problems, your divorce, your, your kids, your mess, your homelessness, your poverty, your drug abuse. Your, you know, it wasn't personal. It's just, it's just business. And keep ourselves aloof and ignorant and apathetic. It should be personal to us that people around us are going through stuff. And maybe we don't understand it, but that's not an excuse. And you can't help everybody, but you can help one. And maybe we just set our sights on that. And it's not about the money. It's about, first of all, having a heart that actually begins to see other people, that actually begins to care about other people. See, there's two views of of people out there, and and the first one's pretty sad and pretty fatalistic, and, and it's this, People just don't and can't change. You know, that's their problem. They just don't change. They won't change. They can't change. That's pretty sad. And I would say that I, I'm the opposite of that because I know how I used to be before Christ got a hold of me. And I've been changed. But then there's the other view, which is a Christ-like view, which means anybody can radically change. You might not be able to change it, but anybody. We have to begin to believe that anybody can radically change. Do you believe that this morning, that anybody can radically change? I believe that. That's why I keep doing what I'm doing. God has called me to this not to just be a professional speaker, but because I firmly believe that anybody can be radically changed by the incredible, extravagant love of Jesus Christ. But he also uses us, the church, to radiate that and to be the hands and feet in a world that is literally dying, literally backing into lonely places, and we don't know what to do, and it's not making our societies any better or any safer, the fact that we're uh, cocooned within our houses. What if he's positioning us, right? And in fact, I'm going to apply a little pressure. And I'm not talking about us like the big C church all around the globe. I'm talking about us, new life. I'm talking about you this morning. And you may be saying, dude, I don't even know you. This is my first day here. You're a person. You have compassion built inside of you. You have skill sets built inside of you. You have a history. You've walked through some stuff. And because you've done that, guess what? That makes you an incredible candidate to help somebody else. To first of all, see their problem and their need because you walk through it. You know the signs and the symptoms. But also to be able to step in and say, you know, when I was at that spot. Because it's way too easy to get so busy and to stay busy. And that busyness is an excuse. We're all busy. But I want to read a story to you out of the Bible this morning from Luke chapter 19. You want to talk about somebody who's busy? Jesus came to save the whole world. He was a busy man. (laughs) He had places to be. He had people to see. And it's amazing what we're going to see that he does on a routine basis, not just once in a while. But if you read your Bible, and you should, you're going to see this over and over and over and over again. 
Luke chapter 19, we're going to read 1 through 10. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. Now listen, everywhere that Jesus went, crowds came. He was the new thing on the block. He was powerful. He was anointed. He just seemed to draw a crowd, and everybody wanted to see who this new guy was. And every time he showed up, crowds showed up. But on this occasion, somebody that was very far from God, somebody that was betraying his own people by stealing from them, somebody that was a tax collector that was despised, that was like way down here in the eyes of the people, even below what they would call sinners, was a tax collector. And not only that, he was short. And he couldn't even see what was going on, but he knew Jesus was coming this way. So what does he do? So he runs ahead. He climbs up into a sycamore tree so that he can see him, for he was going to pass that way. An amazing thing happened. Because remember, Jesus is passing through Jericho. He's going someplace. There's crowds of people asking him, begging him, touch me, pray for my children, heal me. And as he came to this certain place, he looks up and he does something incredible. Something that you and I are programmed to do every day, but we're, we're unlearning this behavior. And I believe it's unpleasing to God. Jesus walked through a sea of humanity, and he saw one. Think about that. I don't know if you've ever been up to Pike Place Market or down to the Portland Farmer's Market, and it's just milling with people and people and people, and there's people everywhere, and most of them you don't know. And it's amazing that uh, as society continues to grow, that people have fewer and fewer patience and fewer and fewer manners. People just expect you to get out of their way and just expect that if they just stop in the middle of the crowd, everybody else is just going to funnel around them. People don't care what your needs are or what you're doing or what's going on because that sounds like a personal problem to me. And yet here's Jesus that walks right up to the spot and he sees Zacchaeus. Not only that, he actually engages him. He didn't just say, hey, bud. Right? Now, I admit, again, we're all busy. We all want the same thing. We want to go about our lives with as little drama as possible, right? We want to go about our life with as little delay as possible. But that sounds like business. It doesn't sound like Christianity because Christianity is messy. Christianity is full of people and brokenness and stops and waits and delays and problems and issues and incredible triumphs and healings and miracles and God showing up and things that we don't even know what to do. That's Christianity. You can't contain it. It's not business. It doesn't just follow a model and a plan. It follows the the humanity of us wherever we go, whenever we go. And it's too easy to walk through the store and see somebody you know, somebody that maybe has been on your mind and you just go, hey, bud, and you walk on. 
It's too easy after a service, somebody shares something with you and you say, hey, I'll pray for you. Pray now. It's too easy to stay distant and stay out of the mess because I find that with every twist and turn, Jesus walked towards the message while everybody else was backing out. And that's the issue we're facing today. Well, it sounds like somebody should do something. Well, how about you? So I'll tell you what, if it was personal, you would do it. When you're driving by and you see a house on fire, you're hoping somebody does something. When you pull up and it's your house on fire, you open the door and you make sure that nobody's in the house and you get out your stuff. You run into the house. Because <laughs> now it's personal. When it's your business, you take it personal. When it's your relationship, you take it personal. And we are called to be people that interact with other people. And look what he says. He, he, he kind of does a, a breach of protocol here. He looks up to him, and he actually engages him, and he says, Zacchaeus, why don't you come on down here? Hurry up, come down, for I'm going to stay at your house. He's inviting himself over. Now, this is the first time he's met Jesus. He's just heard about it, and now Jesus, again, kind of makes it a little weird, but Zacchaeus seems pretty happy about this. He says, Zacchaeus, not only do I see you, I'm going to come to your house today. So he comes down, and, and he received him. Look at this. He received him what? Joyfully, right? Now listen, I know that we're good people, but we've got to stop living just for ourselves, and I'm not talking about your pocketbook. I'm talking about our time. There's some of you, you are wasting your time because you're spending it all on you when you're supposed to be engaged with other people, whether it be a small group or a ministry or serving or something because you're surrounded with other people and you say things like this, you know, I just don't have the time. I'm not a people person. And yet here's Jesus on his way to save the world, and he decides to save one. That's what's amazing. And don't give me that, well, he's Jesus. <laughs> you could do it too. You should do it too. He receives him joyfully instead of like, holy cow, dude, you don't just invite yourself to my house. I haven't cleaned you're Jesus, I'm probably going to need to go and pull some stuff off the walls and I need to at least sweep or something. I mean, what do you, what do you serve for lunch? What do you... But Zacchaeus is overjoyed. And I'll tell you what, this is the Tony version. If anybody else in that crowd had done the same thing, I think Zacchaeus would have been overjoyed too because he was shunned by the population. He was an outcast. He was worse than a sinner. He was a tax collector. And the fact that anybody would talk to him in a kind way and anybody would want to share a meal with him, anybody would want to come visit his house, he would have been overjoyed. 
So it's not just a Jesus because he's God thing. He didn't know that Jesus was God. He's just another traveling teacher that's walking through. And you think about the people that we encounter on a daily, weekly basis that maybe they're just waiting for you to treat them like a human being. And it's not enough to just make eye contact and to stand next to them as you work. What if we actually engaged them? Hey, you want to go to lunch? You want to grab some coffee? But pastor, what would I say? I don't even know them. I don't know crazy things like, so how long have you been working here? Do you have kids? What's your favorite color? What kind of coffee do you like to drink? I find that people really can't engage each other when we ask questions about them because they're an expert on them. We don't need to talk to them about heaven and what they think about Jesus. That can come later if that door over opens. Treat them like a human being. Take interest in them. Right? So I noticed you got a pink mohawk. What's up with that? I'm going to bring that up because there was about a decade ago that I was really struggling with some of that cultural stuff and seeing people with crazy, uh, I'll say the word eclectic hairdos, (laughs) facial piercings and face tattoos and all this stuff. And God really slammed me. Because he revealed to me that most of those people get that because they want somebody to notice them. They want somebody, you know, it's almost like a poorly trained dog, you know, even bad (laughs) attention (laughs) is better than being ignored. And we've got a world out there that is coming undone at the seams. And we don't need to be the good guy police soul patrol people. We just need to be people that know how to talk to people. We're here to bring them hope and encouragement. And if the door opens to share the gospel, awesome. But how about we actually treat them like somebody that's a fellow human being? How would you want people to treat you? Ignore you in your deepest moment of pain? He receives him joyfully. Now listen, here's the incredible part. But when they saw it, when the crowd saw it, guess what? They complained. That's pretty amazing. Because, dude, do you know who he is? Do you know what he does? Do you know the reputation he has in this town? And I feel this story because I grew up in a small town. And you knew where people were at just by knowing their vehicle outside. And I also understand that because there was parts of my family that had that reputation. And it wasn't good.
you're looking at a kid that grew up with an uncle that was the hardware store Santa Claus and a pedophile. How do you keep that hid in a small town? Where people still wave at each other. Just not to you. We're programmed as people to want acceptance. It's God's way of saying, you belong. You're okay. You're my creation. All your mess, all your failure, all the stuff you can't control, all the stuff that's happened to you. That's why I put other people in your life so you don't have to struggle through it alone. But the more we back out of those opportunities, especially as Christians, we're doing God and the world a disservice, and we need to step it up. In fact, we need to step in where the world's stepping back. See, the world keeps saying somebody should do something. But nobody is. They begin to complain. He's going to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. Well, thank God. <laughs> That's what he came for. That's what they didn't understand. Zacchaeus stood and, and he said to the Lord, Lord, look, I give half of my goods to the poor and if, and if I've taken anything from anybody else by false accusation, and he had, he had made himself rich by doing this, I'm going to restore it fourfold. Look at this. If I've cheated anybody, I'm going to return four times as much. Now, you read that passage again and explain to me where did Jesus say, listen, dude, you're a sinner. You better repent now or hell is facing you and you better start making some amends or this is going to end poorly for you. Did you read that? You know what Jesus said to him? I want to come to your house and have lunch. Look what Zacchaeus said. Something changed in him. The crowd complained. And here's where we bring it home to us. Don't make the mistake of trying to hide in this crowd. We're not a megachurch. We're small enough that we should know the people around us. It should almost be a mandate. In fact, the Bible says we should know those that labor among us, that are serving among us, worshiping among us. There is no good reason you can't get to know the people around you except I'm too busy. Sounds like a personal problem. I've got other things to do. Your business is God's business if you're a Christian. Right? Your business is the kingdom as a Christian. It's not enough to say, oh, it's not personal. Zacchaeus stood and said, I'm going to give all this stuff back that I did. I'm going to restore it four, fourfold. And look at what Jesus says to him. Today salvation has come to this house. He saw a changed heart from a brief meeting. He was on his way to go do something else, and that brief meeting with Jesus changed Zacchaeus' heart. 
Here's a guy that was robbing people, and now he's like, I think I've been treating people poorly. Now, he wasn't feeling that before, but all of a sudden, from this choice encounter, all of a sudden, when Jesus stops and sees him, engages him, something changes, and that's the thing. Everybody here, everybody needs somebody to see him like Jesus sees them. I'm going to say that again. Everybody needs somebody that sees them like Jesus sees them. See, you can't be personal in a crowd. You can only be personable in person. The truth of this is the way that you see somebody may change the way they see themselves. The way you see somebody if you'll see them like Jesus sees them, the way you see somebody may change how they see themselves. And in a moment, they go from victim to victor. In a moment, they go from destitute to better. In a moment, they go from sick to healed, from broken to whole. And they don't need an encounter of a gray cloud or some awesome revival. You know what they need? They need you. They need me. They need us to step in with the compassion and love of Jesus Christ. And he tends to, to not make it easy on us. There are people that you're like, oh, they are like the complete opposite of me. So was Zacchaeus. <laughs> I can't imagine a more polar opposite pairing in the Bible. A short, rich, a stealing, vile, corrupt man and a savior meeting on the same street and one of them has changed. Today, salvation's come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. You see, none of the people in the crowd would claim him as part of them. <laughs> but we're one big clan, church. We are all people. We are all human beings. Well, almost. All of us. All of us. The Son of Man has done what? Read that with me this morning. Come on. He has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Look it. Notice it's in the past tense. Not to seek and save that which is lost, that which was. He's already anticipating that you're going to make connections and change somebody from a lost position to a found position. Right? But the job is for us to seek and to save. And that's personal. You can't do that through a webcast because you're just transmitting it to millions of people. You know what you need? You need one-on-one, eye-to-eye, and that's uncomfortable. But Jesus did that all the time. Who's the one that touched the lepers? Jesus. Who's the one that talked to prostitutes? Jesus. Who's the one that healed people that had horrible disease? Jesus. Who's the one that took time for the kids? Jesus. Who's the one that every time he's going someplace, somebody interrupts him and he says, well, wait. Jesus. 
And if we're going to be followers of Jesus, then guess what? If Jesus was busy on and on his way and made a point to stop for people, guess what we should do when we're busy and on our way? Stop for people. Right? 